Hi, this is Joseph Winter from the movie Deadstream, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Horror Squad Podcast, episode number 286. Tonight, we're talking about 2023's Insidious, The Red Door, which is Insidious Part 5, currently in theaters. I'm your co-host. We have Todd, we have Joe, we have Steve, and Steve, we have an interview. Yes, we do. And I am very excited about this interview because this was in my top 10, maybe even top five of last year. I just don't remember seeing it three times. I'm very excited. They're releasing a Blu-ray soon, and that is the writer and directors of the movie Deadstream. Uh, That's uh, Joseph Winter and his wife, Vanessa Winter. Joseph Winter was also the star of the film. So for anyone who watched that one, uh, he's like the main guy who does all the stuff. Absolutely incredible film and stick around for the interview. It's it's going to be a fun one. We, I haven't recorded by the time uh, we did this, but I think it's going to be a good time because that movie is fucking awesome. Check it out. It's over on Shutter. So. So what's going on, guys? Anything happening this weekend? Anything happened in the last few days? Anything stand out? Or we just going through the motions? Put it, no, I worked all weekend, but I'm eagerly anticipating Steve's return to Salem this upcoming weekend. So I'm very excited for that. Is it's going to be a lot of fun. Friend? It is. Yes. <laughs> nice. But yeah, no, it should, should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see Steve again and just hang with him. Because every other time we've been together, well, Texas Frightmare we hung, but mostly every time he's been to Salem, it's always been for business and not pleasure. So this time we're we're gonna have some pleasure. Yeah, I'm I'm super oh, psyched to actually go to Salem and not be rushed to do all this stuff because uh, you know I went the first time it was for what did I go for the first? Oh, we went to um, Rock and Shock, Rock and Shock, and then the second time was for the Omri event. So this time it's just to hang out and then uh, hopefully talk about our next event, which we can't talk about yet, but the wheels are in motion. And let me tell you, it is, uh, it's going to be special if, you know, everything comes together the way that it seems to be. So little teaser for that, but I am very curious for both of you. How was your 4th of July last week? Mine was, mine was great. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We did, I, I, when we recorded last week, I think I was just arriving at my friend's house. I recorded at my friend's house. And yeah, we went to a little downtown shindig, pretty much like a family-friendly type event. There were a bunch of vendors and stuff like that, like food vendors and just like people selling, you know, sort of random stuff. They had a little marching band on the the grass and stuff like that. So yeah, they took their kids around. Well, my buddy took his kid around, did like the little train rides and stuff like that. And Sam and I found the hidden gem of a bar with like, uh, well, not bar, but it was like a little alcohol stand uh, by the bathrooms because Sam had to use the bathroom. And like I peeked inside and there was like a little uh, bar set up and I was like, oh, sweet. So Sam and I got drunk while they were doing the the friend stuff, the family uh, kid stuff. <laughs> And because of that, you're not invited to next year's family on 4th of July. <laughs> right. You know, apparently you can't, you're not supposed to get naked and while the band plays and, you know, run around. <laughs> Grab a trombone and start playing. Yeah. Right now. It's frowned upon. Yes. Um, we stayed at home. It's quiet evening. I, I grilled some sweet pork ribs. Came out very deliciously. Made some nice mashed potatoes, which were awesome. Some roasted corn, corn on the cob, which is always a treat. And then just light up some fireworks and just had to like chill time and just hung out so no burn fingers uh, got all my toes and hands and everything still so thankfully for that 
And it was, yeah, Loki. And shout out to Terry, put it in reverse. Terry, they did a, <laughs> of course, for 4th of July, very Damn famous it, YouTube very famous YouTube video. Terry was in need of a new van for himself. So they did a GoFundMe and they raised like a hundred thousand dollars for his, for him to get a van. So congratulations. That's that's cool to see some internet fame payoff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) At his expense, which is amazing video. I went a little day trip yesterday. I went to West Virginia, which is about three hours from uh, Kentucky, which is, I kept thinking about the movie wrong turn the entire time. And we went to a place called Hillbilly, uh, hillbilly hot dogs and it was literally off the fucking freeway in in the forest like if you walked you get freaking murdered by a bear super super cool place the food wasn't like anything to write home about uh everything's like named some like hillbilly term you know what i mean hot dogs things like that but it was one of those like experience places you want to go to if you remember texas chance massacre where like their house is just full of random shit that's exactly what this place is so hillbilly hot dogs shout out west virginia very beautiful woods very friendly people, you know, negative connotation of, you know, being kind of out there, but everyone is so nice there in the South and everyone, everyone's just a delight. So head out to Hillbilly Hot Dogs if you're in West Virginia. Cool. And uh, to wash that hot dog down, there is no better drink to have than a coffee from Deadly Crowds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. What's up? What watched? What watch? I got one. Uh, I got two, actually. So this is probably my last week of pushing for 1970s films for our list. Uh, that episode is actually coming out in two weeks. So send in those lists because time's running out and I cannot wait to do that episode. So these were two that uh, I thought could be contenders for the top 10. I've seen one of them before. One of them I might have seen before. It seemed familiar, but I'm not 100% sure. First one, uh, it's a classic. It's the Amityville Horror. So the original one, not one of the crazy fucking spoofs that they've been doing over the last 10 years. You know, there's no Karens or possessions or sharks or, you know, space or whatever else. Is Uh, it really a shark one? Did you talk about the shark one before? There's got to be one. I mean, I can't imagine the Amityville and shark genre has not uh, melded together. So this one story is pretty simple. Uh, There's a a family that gets massacred by the father. Uh, He gets like, he shoots them all and then shoots himself. And uh, the story takes place a little bit later where this family uh, tries to buy the house and uh, they get a good deal on it because no one wants to live there. So they go there and then it's a family that's very similar to the ones that had been massacred. But, you know, things start acting weird and they're starting to see visions and there's weird kind of happenings in the house they try to call priests and a brother, like a guy who uh, he's like a monk kind of, but you know, Catholic monk. And they try to call these people to come to the house and bless it, but they never make it because this entity kind of like stops them at all costs, you know, put makes them get into a car accident and uh, gives one a heart attack and stuff like that. So it seems that the house is possessed and the family tries to stop it and escape with their lives. It was nice to see Amityville film that doesn't suck. Uh, it's a pretty decent film. 
there's something about like the 70s aura that makes ghost film scarier to me uh there's just something more believable about it you know it's just there's something about like the two like the 2010s other than the conjuring and the serious franchise which i find looks cheesy and i like that kind of 70s feel to it uh the acting's really good the house is really cool you know the the way that it looks and everything of course it's extremely iconic at this point but i don't think it's all that scary surprisingly not a whole lot happens at least visually a lot of it is invisible uh, it's just characters reacting to nothing essentially uh, or like shakings or sounds in the house and it, i don't know it just it doesn't have the quite the impact that it used to have i think i did enjoy it but i don't think it's like anywhere close to top 10 of the decade for me so amityville horror 1979 and i watched it over on tv I gave it three stars out of five. Get out. Yes. If you're interested, the director of Amityville, Karen, directed Amityville Shark House. Oh, there you go. So I knew it. There it is. And that co-star is amazing. Oh, sure. <laughs> if you look it up on Letterboxd, it's got four people that have seen it, zero reviews. So <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I'll be the first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have two. Uh, two for this episode. My first one is going to be Chud 2, Bud the Chud from 1989, sequel to Chud. Man, I had never seen this before. And it is completely different feel, lore, whatever you want to call it from Chud 1. This one basically is the U.S. government, the military, whatever, is trying to make, of course, super soldiers. And they have the Chud program, but they get their fun, uh, funding pulled. So the one Chud prototype, they decide to take them off to some fucking government lab and put them on ice or whatever. Meanwhile, we have some high school kids that somehow break into where the Chud zombie is at because they lost their teacher's cadaver for autopsy practice as one does so they get the chud zombie and the chud zombie breaks out and of course wreaks havoc i one out of five i did not like this one it's over on tubi i found the the comedy to be very forced even for the 80s the gore was not there i didn't like the zombies i just didn't find too much that i liked about this so that's chud chud part two bud the chud from 89 over on tubi great name though bud the chud Sweet. Uh, I just got one this week. It is a documentary and it is called Moment of Contact. Uh, this is for the sci-fi alien. The truth is out there, people. This one is about a crash that I've never heard about this crash, but it is about a supposed crash that happened in 1996 in Virginia, Brazil. Basically attribute it to sort of or compare it to Roswell. New Mexico, as far as, you know, uh, other famous crashes that have happened. But there are several eyewitness accounts of people who say they saw either the UFO crashing or actually saw extraterrestrials walking through the village or city after it crashed. And since it happened so recently, you know, within 30 years ago, um, there were several people that they found for this documentary that gave their eyewitness accounts once again and whatnot it is super interesting if you are into you know ufos aliens whether you believe it or not you know i think you know there's i don't think a whole city or you know a village would you know band together you know and to just make up all these stories the most compelling stuff uh you know there's this one guy basically who went who you know he's an american he flew 
to Brazil to record this documentary. And he's got a couple of translators with them, and he's talking to several people. Uh, the most compelling evidence, there's one man who actually, uh, he's the only guy that was there when the uh, aircraft or UFO went down. And he, uh, you know, they find the, you know, based on his memory, find the, you know, the wreckage site. And, you know, he kind of gives his whole account about, you know, how the military showed up minutes later and, you know, this whole government, you know, cover up and whatnot. They even talk, you know, the guy ends up even talking to the mayor of Brazil now. And uh, the other really uh, amazing account is there were three young girls at the time who are obviously are older now who were walking in an alley and claimed they saw one of the extraterrestrials and you know they uh even gave a uh, sketch you know when it happened so they have the original sketch and you know they even to this day they ask them to recreate the scratch it i mean it's super interesting i'm you know i'm a firm believer of you know ufos and extraterrestrials i think they are out there somewhere and i think this documentary definitely does a great job of uh furthering that proof to me anyway so that is moment of contact you can check it out for free over on tubi two things did you guys watch the las vegas alien thing from like three weeks ago no yeah, i don't uh, think so I, I saw like reports and youtube videos about it but yeah. Yeah, it's... allegedly like an alien crashed in someone's backyard in vegas and <laughs> they call the cops out there and there's like body cam footage but it doesn't of course show anything concrete it's just like them reacting to it and then whatever what happened to like all the U.S. military shooting down like five things like two months ago, and then yeah. it just dropped. <laughs> like, yeah, people just like some dropped more info, it, please. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy because like we always thought, oh, like you know, the government's never going to admit it, and then they literally admitted it. Freaking Barack by, re- by releasing there, yeah, they. I mean, they released all that footage, and it wasn't even like big news, you know. Yeah. Like, and it's just like they kind of like threw it out there, but it wasn't. The media didn't like pick it up. I feel like as much as you would expect, and if people just kind of, kind of just went by the wayside. And I'm like, you think it would? This would have been like the biggest news in the world, and yeah. it's just like no one's talking about it. I am in a, a alien subreddit though, and it's fantastic. So. I, I am as well, <laughs> and I think we were on the same one. Probably. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> Not to, you know, get off a tangent too much, but alien talk is always fun. Do you think mm-hmm. that the government is like doing like a soft launch to us? Like, hey, this is real, this is real, this is real, don't be afraid. And then we're all just like building up our resistance. And then it's like. Not, 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 to, the- not to get political, but I feel that had there been like good alien information out there, Donald Trump would have told people. <laughs> You know, he would have seen the paper yeah. to be in like, oh yeah, I'm definitely telling people this secret. Yeah. So I, I feel think that we all would, would say that, right? But would we do it if it was like people would mass kill themselves if it was like it, it depends what it is. Right? With religion, you know what I mean? Like I think that's the thing holding back because it's religion obviously would right. Like for example, if it came out and there's concrete evidence that aliens are God or whatever, people that are ultra religious would freak the fuck out. So would you really want that? I mean, people, they wouldn't even believe it. Like, you know That's how it true. is. It's a, uh, you, you show people stuff, a picture, and they're like, nope, not true, not real. It's so, like you can't trust pictures or video anymore. No, you but, can't trust anything anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's funny. We, we an alien episode, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we should. <laughs> but say, yeah, it was funny because, like, it's so true. Because, like, Sam and I were walking today, and I was like, what if we just saw, like, an alien? Like, we were in the wood, like, a wooded area. And I was like, what if you just saw, like, an alien, like, like, you know creeping over there or something like that but and then i was like wow i was like and then i was like what if we saw like an alien head just pop out of this like 
trash bat barrel what would you do and i was like well i would take a picture but then i was like no one would fucking believe me they would be like that's just a fucking person in a costume like in there you stage that or something i was like it's crazy no one would ever believe if you did get concrete evidence of an alien there's a there's a really another interesting documentary about like maybe five six years ago the stan romanek story i don't know if you guys watched that one but he had like crazy video of like an alien in his backyard that kept like peeking into his window and you know i you know obviously no one believed it but uh, he ended up like going to jail. A lot of people think that the government like put him in jail basically because he had so much evidence. But went, went to jail uh, for being a peeping tom. He went to actually. I think it was for like I. I oh. think it was for. I think it was for some like pedophilia oh, like, shit or something. Worst, they, I think thing. and and they're saying they planted his computer and stuff. Who the fuck you know? I, I know crazy man. shit, man. But really, the, tr- honestly, the truth like, is out there. It is. I. I my personal stance is there's aliens there has to be whether they're fucking with us or not i mean look at the sky and look at space how big it is um there's gotta be other creatures out there but are they coming down here and probing people i don't know that's another debate but we definitely need to do an alien episode we'll watch fire in the sky (laughs) yes and we'll talk about aliens for a whole episode well yeah you haven't done your next pick so maybe you can pick an alien movie (laughs) fire in the sky it is calling it now All right, cool. So my second one is uh, another 70s film, of course, which I watched over on Shudder. This is 1979's Nosferatu, The Vampire. So this is directed by Werner Herzog. So it's like a remake of, you know, the original Nosferatu, but also the story of Dracula at the same time kind of melds both stories uh, into one. So the character is not Count Orlok in this one. It's actually Count Dracula. And it does have a lot of the same beats from Nosferatu and some of the beats from you know Bram Stoker's Dracula and it's, it's basically a remake you know the character looks the same goes through the same stuff so if you've seen Nosferatu you know the story it's basically a guy goes to you know in this case Count Dracula's castle and he has land that uh he he like that he wants to buy essentially so he can move his castle and his coffins to this other land and he starts killing people off in that town and stuff like that uh, so nothing too crazy uh, or anything unique. I really liked the Nosferatu film from, was it, 1922? It's, you know, it was the 100-year anniversary last year. And this one, it's fine, but I don't think it's as good. The um, the gentleman who plays Count Dracula in this it just isn't as good as Max Shrek was in uh, Nosferatu. It's not as creepy. Uh, the makeup is cool, but I don't know. Maybe it's because it's... The 70s, whereas the other one is the 20s, made it look really creepy. There's just something that was kind of missing here. It's also got some weird scenes in it. Like, there's one scene where he goes to, like, finger a girl, but then bites her neck. It's just, it, it felt odd when it's, like, that As character doing it. Yeah, it was, just a, it was just a weird film. And the movie kind of drags its feet at times and goes through these long periods where not much is going on. I think if you're going to watch this story play out, just watch the original this i don't think would no this one wouldn't be you know near my top 10 either i gave it two and a half stars out of five on letterboxd so that's nosferatu vampire over on shutter all right my last one is a 2023 release the black demon which is another short film so this one is set in mexico where a oil safety inspector takes his family to this small mexican town to check out an offshore oil rig that he signed off on for safety and things like that and he allegedly is being sent there by the company to do an inspection because it's been a few years since it's been working and they want to make sure it's still up to date and they can restart it and things like that 
Uh, when he left the town, it was a thriving Mexican community. When he comes back, it's just a couple dudes left that are highly racist. They're shady. They're giving side eye looks, things like that. They're calling people racist names, stuff like that. But he's like, all right, I'm going to leave my family, my teenage daughter with these guys that are giving me hard looks. And, you know, I'm going to think everything goes okay while I go to the oil rig and try to uh, do my job there. There's a local legend where there's the demon and the guy, he's like, I don't believe in your demon bullshit. I'm going to go do my job anyway. Once again, here's my family. Take care of them for me. Lo and behold, the family has to escape on a boat because they are chased out of town because one guy starts grabbing the teenager and they start calling them names, things like that. So they get on a boat, go out to the oil rig with the dad, and we learn that there is a fucking megalodon uh, circling the water because this is an environmental um, oil is bad movie. And the megalodon is kind of like a demon slash a real animal because you can kill it, but it's also supernatural and it causes hallucinations. So not only do you have to deal with the shark eating people, you have to deal with you thinking you see a mirage where boats are coming to save you, or you think you see a bunch of severed limbs falling in the water. It's fucking weird. The CGI is awful. The acting is okay, but the writing is not. So it's very hard to get through. There's just so much going on in this movie. There's like, they're going down to fix the power. Oh, wait, there's a time bomb on this? That's going to go off in two hours? That's convenient. How, who put the bomb there? Like, how? Okay, whatever. There's the racism. There's the fucking local legends. There's the environmental stuff. Oh, wait, there's more. There's corporate espionage. The dad, who's the safety inspector, is a piece of shit. Ooh, no one saw that coming. And then the ending is just awful. It's sappy. It's so stupid. It's out of left field, unneeded. And this movie is a mess. Last year, my worst movie was the shark movie, The Shark, the Requan or something like that. I think this year is going to be another shark movie on my worst list. So that's Black Demon, which is currently streaming on demand. And I gave it a half star out of five. Brutal. Resounding endorsement there, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check it out for absolutely no reason. Yeah, for sure. The worst. Ugh. All right, trivia? Yeah, trivia. All right, so quarter number three, I am in the lead with four. Steve is two, which includes the point I added to him because um, we had a conflicting information from Brent and IMDb. The book said 118, IMDb said 14 or vice versa. But anyway, yeah. Steve gets the point and Joe with one. Uh, who would like to lead off? I'll go. Okay. All right. So my first one, my... as I always do now, is guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide my favorite subcategory for now first one okay. sex and nudity oh yes mm-hmm. like it. thank you <laughs> there's a sex scene between two characters breasts are briefly glimpsed i like that the woman is moaning and moving on top of the man oh this one does yeah <laughs> violence sense. and gore Said boys murder Samantha by sticking thin plastic wrapping over her mouth, thus suffocating her to death. Her dead and decaying body is found later. Um, oh, uh, Stirring Echoes. I heard Todd first. Yeah, boy. Although none I, of you should get the point because you didn't say Kevin Bacon's Stirring Echoes. I was going to say that, but <laughs> it's too long. Yeah, mind I started fucking. His, yeah. I saw I the wheels turning. I'm like, I got to get it out. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. I'll go. I want to recount on that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll check, but uh, I heard Todd first on that. Without giving it away, I was about to give it away because I'm going to do from the back of the Blu-ray trivia. Oh. oh. Okay, so I'm going to read you what the Blu-ray says, the uh, plot synopsis, and you have to tell me what the film is. Okay, love it. 
when two young lovers are savagely beaten and tortured on a back country road in blank, local police are baffled. Three weeks later, two more people are slain in a similar setting and Deputy Norman Ramsey fears a pattern might be developing. Blank, J.D. Morales, is brought in to help. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Can you, uh, I would like a repeat on that. Repeat? Okay. When two young lovers are savagely beaten and tortured on a backcountry road in blank, local police are baffled. Three weeks later, two more people are slain in a similar setting and Deputy Norman Ramsey fears a pattern might be developing. Blank, J.D. Morales, is brought in to help. Hmm. It feels like a wrong turn or... Ramsey doesn't isn't ringing a bell to me. Yeah, the names I threw out were Deputy Norman Ramsey and blank, because that would give it away. Right. JD Morales. JD Morales. JD. That sounds familiar, the JD. You both have seen it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I know Joe has for sure. I'm, yeah, you guys have. Uh, uh, there is a one hint and then you guys get three seconds. There uh, is an original and Evan Fever? Incorrect. No. Wolf Creek. Incorrect. The answer is the town. Oh, ah, yes. And I blanked out Texarkana, obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And <laughs> Texas Texas Ranger, which Love it. given away too. That's a yeah. That's a good one. I like that trivia. Yeah, cool. That's a good one. I want more. I want more of those. Oh, I got two more, baby. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I'll start. Uh, well, I won't start. I'll go with my first one, and we got match the killer. To the movie. Okay. Tonight, we have. Yeah. I might have done this one before. So. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm remembering. As he's looking at it. <laughs> Tonight, uh, so we got Parker Crane. Insidious. It's the, the bride. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Steve right. just watched it. I did. They, they say it a lot in part two. All right. Second one. Guess the movie. Based off the IMDb Did You Know section. Oh, yeah. Trivia. Executive produced by Tom Cruise. Okay. Quotes. They're everywhere. They say this house is theirs. Wait, I know. Say it. Give me a second. I know this. He's channeling it. The others. Correct. Nice. Tom Cruise because it was a Nicole Kidman joint. Nicole Kidman, yeah. <laughs> Married at the time. That's right. All right. Here we go. I'm going to read the synopsis. You tell me what the movie is. Go quickly with this one, maybe. A podcaster looking for a juicy story is plunged. Oh, into yeah, I got it. It's a uh, hot tusk. Correct. Hot. Did you say hot tusk? Yeah, I was going was, was to. I was thinking of the other one first. Um, yeah, whatever. Yep, tusk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Who's Nazi the party. Oh, I was thinking of the other, the uh, the sequel. Or, uh, um, oh yeah, I didn't yeah. Can't remember that. the damn name of it. Yeah, me neither. Oh, oh, yoga hoser. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Moose jaw coming? Question mark. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> talking about it, but hey, right, Joe. That was me. Back to me. All right, all right. Who sang the famous "Tiptoe Through the Tulip" song? Uh, from Insidious. That is. Damn, I was trying to think of that fucking creepy guy. Yeah, he's a creepy motherfucker. All right. <laughs> Ty Simpkins and Jenna Ortega can both be seen in Insidious Part 2. What major non-horror blockbuster film were they also both in? Non-horror? 
non horror. Um, that was um, what the fuck's the name of that movie? Darn it, this gonna piss me off. I think you talked about it like a month ago. I did. Is it um the pass the pacifist? No, pacifier. Wrong. I'm not. You want to guess something, uh, Joe? No. Okay, I'll give you I guys a hint. It's uh, one distributed by Disney. Um. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think it's a. Oh man, this sucks. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. It's not like General Ortega's been in Damn a lot you. either. <laughs> Damn you. Best. I don't. I doubt I've seen it. So uh, the answer was Iron Man three. Uh, it wasn't Vin Diesel's mm-hmm. The Pacifist. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> oh boy, she was. Yeah. All right, my turn and Joe's turn. That's your turn. Okay. So off the back of the Blu-ray, however, I am going to give you the character, the main character name. You have to give me the horror movie he is in, and the character's name is Ellison Oswald. Ellison. Is it it? Chapter one. Oswald. Incorrect. I got nothing. Ellison Oswald. Ellison Oswald. No. This is it a character? It is a character. Maybe you can guess it off the IMDb. I mean, the, the Blu ray itself. Okay. 10 years ago, true crime writer Ellison Oswald made his reputation with a best selling account of a notorious murder. Now, desperate to replicate the, the success of his 1408. First book, incorrect. And I will stop there, you tricksters. Oh, um, secret window. Incorrect. The answer is sinister. Oh, uh, I don't remember that at all. Very I don't nice. know his name either. I'm looking at it I'm like it still doesn't ring a bell, but <laughs> very nice. All. Yep. All right, Ellie. Ellie Oswald. Love it. All right. Three letterbox reviews. Okay. You guess the movie. Oh. Okay. So tired of the typical nerd guys who prey on any woman they see but are seen as cute, quirky, funny. For the love of God, please stop making these characters. Give me so number many two. movies. <laughs> yeah. No. Number two. Wouldn't fuck any of these ghosts. <laughs> and the last one. 13 this ghosts? Will be, this would be the one that gives it away. Uh, incorrect. Right. Would you like a guess, Todd, before I go to my No, house? no, no. no. Of, course I don't need to <laughs> of course he doesn't. <laughs> don't I want to okay. scream myself? No. <laughs> okay. Last one. How does this demon wipe with keys as fingernails? Okay, uh, is it um, Insidious, the last key? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you hesitate, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know if that was that like easy. Yeah. Because <laughs> his, fing- his little thingy with the key. <laughs> it's been a while since I watched that one. Yeah, me too. I, I think, I I think I've only theaters. seen it the one time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, is that all? That's it. That is it. All right. So Steve with three tonight, Joe with one, myself with two, which brings us quarter number three, myself in the lead by one point with six points. Steve second second place with five. Joe third with two. Any man's game, though, as you can see by the last uh, two quarters. Yeah. All right. Insidious, the red door, directed by Star, Patrick Wilson, 2023. Face your demons to put their demons to rest once and for all. Josh Lambert and a college-aged Dalton Lambert must go deeper into the further than ever before, facing their family's dark past and a host of new and more horrifying terrors that lurk behind the red door. Do they, though? Is it, though? 
I guess we'll talk about it later. Um, yeah, so Dalton, it's all grown up. It's, uh, what, nine years since the original film. And he's an angsty teenager. He's going off to college. We learn that the family has been broken up. The parents got a divorce uh, a little bit in the past. Grandmother just passed away, so we're at... Um, a funeral and we we're in- instantly introduced to Dalton being a little angsty little turd where the young daughter was like oh grandma misses us or something like that he's like dead people don't miss things and he's like shut up Dalton you fucking little turd but anyway we know that Patrick uh, Patrick Wilson and the family their relationship is a little bit messed up because Patrick feels a little bit fuzzy sorry Josh feels a little bit fuzzy he doesn't know what's happening with himself he feels off and we know from previous films that he kind of had his mind wiped right off of what happened uh, from the first two films and it affects his family. It affects his uh, love life with his wife, now ex, and his relationship with his kids. Mostly Dalton, because Dalton's uh, older. He's going off to college, so Josh, he says, hey, man, I'll drive you over there. We can do a little father-son bonding. He's like, cool, let's do it. Takes him to college. He's an art major. That tells you all you need to know right there. And um, yeah, they both start feeling a little bit angsty towards each other. Uh, Dalton's like, you can't blame your father for not being there uh, for all your problems, dad, and stuff like that. And they're just bickering the whole time. Uh, So we follow Dalton as he's kind of having these weird visions at art school. And we follow Josh as he's kind of trying to figure out why his past is so fucked up, why his mind is so altered, why he feels different, foggy, things like that. Uh, the fifth iteration, man, it's going to be hard to improve upon the formula. Uh, for me, I expect like strong visuals and fantastic audio, which I, I wasn't disappointed with. I love the the harsh violins that Insidious is famous for. I really love that effect. The film, though, uh, overall, my initial impressions were it's kind of dull. The synopsis leads you to believe that it's going to be like balls-to-the-wall horror, right? Like we're going to go into the further and we're going to go confront all these like insidious no pun intended demons and things like that but unfortunately we kind of get more family drama than anything which left me a little bit disappointed but those were my initial thoughts what about you guys yeah so i mean i love the insidious franchise i don't think there's been a miss yet based on the first four um i enjoyed all four of those uh some better than others obviously but yeah i think it's a great franchise i I really love the further and um yeah, so going into this, I was pretty excited, you know. I was excited that the Lamberts were going to come back. I was interested to see how Patrick Wilson was going to do directing. And overall, I think it's a mixed bag. There are things I like about it, and there are a lot of things I don't like about it. You know, I, I actually did like the family drama stuff in it. I thought that was like a really interesting plot device. However, they took they spent way too much time on it and not enough time in the further. And that is my biggest complaint about this movie. This movie does not go into the further nearly enough. And even when the ghosts come out of the further and into the real world, once again, just not enough. You know, there are some highlighted scenes, which we can get into later. But yeah, I mean, to me, it was just okay. I'm a big fan of the Insidious franchise. The first Insidious was number two on my decade list of the 2010s. I just think it's a fantastic like ghost, you know, story. I love the further. I love the visuals. I love the music. I love the characters. So I was pretty psyched to see it after it's been, you know, a good, what, five, six years since the last one, since the last key. So I was pretty psyched about this. And, you know, honestly, I liked it, but they should have called it insidious instead of insidious, the red door, they should have called it insidious, the blue balls. Because I feel <laughs> that they set up so many cool things in this movie 
and don't deliver on them at all. You know, and I'm going to talk about it more specifically later, but especially relating to the cameos in this. They bring back characters and you're like, okay, that's so cool. I, I know exactly how they're going to integrate these characters into the story. And then they just don't see, you don't see them again. It's just the weirdest like thing. It's like they just inserted them just to have them in the movie. And I kept wanting more, you know, and for the further, like Joe said, uh, you don't explore it very much. Uh, the red lipstick demon, you don't see him all that much. You know, it's just they kept in setting up interesting things and then never finishing it off. And that was just frustrating. But I did enjoy it because there are some good scares in it. Uh, there are some cool moments. And yeah, I, I think it's I still came out thinking it was a good film. But I just thought it could have been so much better and really easily. And obviously, too, which is weird. Yeah, they didn't, really didn't go in the way that I thought they should. But that's my kind of overall thoughts on this. You, well, you bring up a great point, Steve, about past characters. And the one that really sticks out to me is Carl. We He comes at the very beginning of the movie. He is at the mother's funeral. It's a great plot device where, you know, Patrick's like, oh, I, I think I remember you, you know, and that. And then we never see him again. Ever. I was like, I was like, oh, this is gonna be cool. Like Carl's gonna like help Patrick sort of remember and go back into the further and stuff. And you know, granted, Carl's he's not Elise and Specs and Tucker, but he still was a pretty big character uh in the second one, I believe it was. And I was like excited. I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna be cool. And then yeah, and just you know, he's kind of just thrown uh, away. You know, the mother dying, I was fine with. Obviously, she was a big part of the franchise too but you know i do like her as an i do like that actress so i was a little disappointed she didn't come back either but you know it was a good way to get the family back together um for this one scene and you know learning about the, uh, the divorce and whatnot and the family being broken but yeah i, I totally agree with that I, I wish we got at least more carl and you know specs and tucker for sure yeah well you bring up the grandma passing away like why that's a missed opportunity too. Like, oh, we're gonna have someone mimic the grandma. A demon's gonna like prey upon them and come into the little girl or whatever it is. And then it was never touched upon again. I was like, huh, interesting. But honestly, like to talk about the father-son dynamic here, I have a teenager, she's 14 and Dalton plays an angsty teenager spot on, man. Like all his little mannerisms, all the ignoring, rolling eyes, things like that. And you're just, as a dad, you're like, I, I like Patrick's portrayal of the, uh, the father that doesn't know what to do with a teenager is spot on as well. So I thought they did that very great. I said the same fucking thing to my daughter when she put a collage on her wall. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't make the wall, huh? And she just fucking rolls her eyes just like that little motherfucker does in, in CDS5. I'm like, you little bitch. But um, yeah, like the title, The Red Door, right? I, like, why? Like, it wasn't even, I, I guess like we need to close the door or whatever, but it didn't seem to be anything crazy I, I felt the stakes were extremely low I, I just didn't buy any of the urgency in this film at all yeah no exactly and I, I did like the relationship between father and son I thought that was kind of one of the highlights of the movie is them figuring out their own shit and then coming together at the end to finally defeat this you know lipstick demon that's been kind of around since the first one right that was kind of the main antagonist of the first one and if they asked it just to go away, like, hey, go just, away. Yeah, just just steal, just steal his fucking tiny Tim tape, apparently, and then <laughs> just stop. You know? Yeah, 
there's other music out there. Let, let me introduce Here, you. Here's my this. Limp Bizkit collection. Yeah, yeah. Here's my fucking uh, Zune like they did in Guardians of the Galaxy. The you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so I, I really liked all that stuff. And it's just, you know, and I liked that they were kind of dealing with their own things while still once in a while kind of trying to communicate. And that's why I really thought that these cameos would come into play in such a great way. Uh, like you said, Carl was the perfect person to help Patrick Wilson's character through his stuff because he was there when all that happened. He's the it's one the who put bridge. him. He's the one who brought him back into the you know kind of uh, a trance that he's in. And then you have the other one, Dalton, who sees a YouTube video of Specs and uh, Tucker. And I'm like, great, he's going to call them and it's just, he, they're going to recognize him and it's going to bring kind of his story together. Nope, nope, we're not going to do that either. You know, it's just, and don't even get me started on Elise. That's, could not have been more shoehorned in if they tried. And even the fucking bride makes like a two second cameo. And it just, I don't know, it's just, they, they don't, they didn't follow through with fucking anything. Instead, they're going to like a frat party and spending so much time with this puking zombie that really doesn't do all that much to the movie and, and having jokes about, you know, being a frat and stuff. I just feel this whole movie is kind of a missed opportunity. A hundred percent. And, you know, I don't, I feel like it was just, honestly, I think I blame the writing, you know, obviously, which it said Lee Winnell was the writer on it. Uh, Lee Winnell and Scott Teams. And do we blame Patrick Wilson as well? I mean, he's the director here. You know, I, I feel like the scares weren't, were very minimal. Like for a horror movie, we, like this was basically a family dra- drama with, you know, that was the focus. And that is fine for it to be the focus, but you still got to throw the scares in there. But they focused like way, they went way too heavy handed on the, on the family drama stuff and forgot about the scares. And that was, and like the further just felt so small in this movie, like in other movies, they're walking in the further for, you know, forever. And it just seems like such a vast, endless place. Whereas this one, it felt like it was in like a room, you know, and it, it, and it was just so disappointing. Like when you think of all the other insidious movies. So, yeah, I mean. As far as like I guess a highlight scare, the MRI scene I thought was was the best, you know, scare of the whole movie. I I hated the puking ghost. I I I thought it was dumb, like especially when it pukes on him in that one part. But just yeah, the scares were just they weren't they weren't built up well, and and then especially in the further, they were just it just wasn't there. But yeah, I mean the the MRI scene and also the memory window break I thought were the two best sort of scares in this. But everything else pretty lackluster i agree totally agree and the writer scott uh teams has uh, written on such films as halloween kills the firestarter remake and the new exorcist coming up so wow <laughs> yeah we'll see um and is it his problem who, who knows whose fault this movie is you know what i mean um yeah and then you know another missed opportunity in my opinion is the dad stuff like it's a pivotal scene we're led to believe where Josh figures out that his dad was treated for schizophrenia, his mental hospital, and he didn't run out of his family. He killed himself because no one took him seriously about the ghosts and the further and of what Josh and his son are dealing with years later. And I felt that could have been so expanded upon, could have been a bigger plot point, could have had the dad coming back to help them get out of the further. But instead, we just see him smile and then burst into a angelic cloud or something. I was like, that's what we're doing with it? Yeah, and it, it goes again to the same point of 
they set up these great things and then just don't deliver on them. And uh, it was too bad. You know, he could have been one of the key figures in the further to help, you know, Josh go through it, you know, but he doesn't, he just, he's just there and then he's gone. Um, As far as the scares go, I I agree. You know, actually the, the scene that made me the most uncomfortable and it wasn't even anything. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it that creeped me out was at the, at the, uh, cemetery he's just like texting his son and you slowly see a figure like walking towards his car from the back window and there's something about that that really creeped me out you know because i think of what if i was in that situation in the middle of a cemetery and there's this like kind of creepy figure kind of slowly making its way towards me and i really thought they'd like bring the ghosts in this one because uh having rewatched you know the first two in city says to prepare for this one they like they have a lot of ghosts in there and this one really doesn't. And the beginning has a lot of scares. You know, the MRI scares is quite early. That was great. And there was a lot of like little moments. Um, at one point, Dalton is drawing, you know, and the demon hand comes out with a, that was a jump scare. A lot of it is at the beginning. And then they kind of forget about the scares for a long time. And that's, that's you know, you don't want that. That's not what Insidious was. The first Insidious is fucking relentless. Like I just rewatched it. It's unbelievable how relentless it is. It starts right at the beginning and it doesn't stop. It's always different types of uh, scares as well. It's not just always the same demon kind of coming over and over. So that's too bad. What did you think? You know, I I give props to um, a couple people, uh, some new characters. I actually liked Dalton's roommate, Sinclair Daniel. Was, and her character name was Chris Winslow. I thought she was good. I thought she was like a really good kind of companion piece to him. Also, shout out to the professor. I'm a big Succession fan. So she is a pretty big character in that as well. But I, I liked her character as well. That it kind of opened Dalton's sort of mind again back. She's basically the whole reason like he reopens his mind there. So yeah, I, I liked both of those characters. And Nick the Dick. Of course. Of course. The character named Nick the Dick. How, you know, how can you not? He's the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he felt like that fucking guy from Parks and Recreation, John oh. Raffio, but like a, like a young. That's what John Raffio was Younger like version. in college. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm on the, I'm on the, the different side with the the girl character because not that the actress was bad or anything. I just didn't like the comedic relief because it kept like my. All right, let's get to some scares. And then she would crack a joke. I was like, man, like they're not going to go. And that just added to the film where it's like, all right, let's get it there. Let's cross the line. Let's get over the hump. And then she would say something to bring the, the film away from scariness back to the comedy. And I was like, oh, okay. And which yeah. it didn't land for me. Well, you had Specs and Tucker, like who were a big comedy portion in that first movie. And you're missing that in this one. So she was kind of, I guess, the yeah. sort of not as good, obviously. I mean, Specs and Tucker, classic. But, but with them too, like they, thinking back to the original their comedic like stuff mixed with the horror, like the horror kept going. And Steve, you've just watched it recently. Like my favorite scene from Insidious, the first one is pretty subtle where Elise is um, describing the demon as Specs is drawing. And it's like nothing shown, but like super effective. And I think their goofiness plays well in that film because it continues to go. It doesn't stop, have a hard stop in my opinion. See, although I agree, there should be more scares with, especially when those two characters involved, because that's pretty much all we see of the further is between those two characters as he goes into a trance and then she's kind of watching him. But I disagree that she shouldn't be a comic relief because 
Dalton is such a goddamn bummer in this movie that to have you needed that kind of other person to bring those scenes to not be like a fucking you know so you're not down the whole time you're watching Dalton's side of the story so I thought she brought levity to that side of the story in a way that made it interesting because I think without her character you, it would just drag for a while so I really liked her character Dalton and her hooking up off screen thoughts oh for sure yeah 100% the, the second she walked into his yeah, dorm they, I'm like <laughs> they, they seemed into each other yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got so, that like weird connection. Going. Yeah, they're both little goofballs. This boot, this movie's doing really well, though. It on a budget of sixteen mil estimated. Uh, so far, worldwide sixty four mil. So that's that's pretty good. So Spread bullshit. There. bullshit. Awesome. This is the last one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, not. It won't be actually because we are getting a spinoff, uh, Insidious Threads, I believe it's right. called. So and Juan, James Wan recently came out and said that there's going to be several spinoffs i guess so yeah i mean i want to see more of the f- the further you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean honestly i think the lambert family is is insidious in a lot of ways obviously and that's what was lacking i guess in three and four even though i did like three and four i insidious one and two were, were definitely my favorite and it was great to see them back were you disappointed in the lack of like no you know renee is hardly in this i guess um obviously they're kind of divorced but i mean this one is mainly focused on we even get the other little boy uh, comes back here briefly in, in little cameos but it was good to see them all back uh, yeah i mean do you will you find that it was just a focus on dalton and uh what's his so, name patrick wilson <laughs> uh, i was fine because the first two are really focused on her so I think it was it was good they they kind of focused on the other side of the coin you know for for this one she was still in it and you know she was still like good but I don't think her character was needed for this particular story uh, maybe she could have been in it more to help um, you know Josh a little bit more but it didn't bother me all that much the only thing that bothered me with that is with the brother he had one fucking line where he says hey little brother as if audience is too dumb to know that that's his brother so we have to, to make sure us. we put it into the fucking dialogue which oh, i hate when they do shit like that we're, we're not that stupid <laughs> anyway. tell me again little brother what happened when you were my little brother <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right uh no i i thought it was fine because it was their story and it would it could have been great if they would have tightened it up a little bit but i think to answer one of your other questions joe i think i think we can we can be done with the lamberts and move on and i think it's been toyed around with having a tucker and specs kind of spin off that'd be cool like maybe they're little adventures but then that could get into overly silly territory so i don't know we'll see where they go so, so another fucking missed opportunity i guess that's my theme tonight what i don't know if i just pictured this or i'm wrong but when he sees elise on youtube or whatever they just watching and he kind of pauses and looks at her did he not draw her before? Like, don't they show a drawing of Elise at the beginning when they're showing come, kind of him drawing like really early in the film? He did his grandma for sure. That That's the main focus one is his grandma. Hmm. But I was almost sure that he drew Elise as well. And I thought he paused to say like, wait a minute, I drew this woman. And wait, I- was he... Was... Who was watching the YouTube video? Was that Josh or... Dalton? No, it, it was Dalton. It was? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Don't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember that either. I, I felt like he drew her, and I was—I thought that was another missed opportunity. Like, wait a minute! Like, I know this person. I somehow have a connection with this person. Yeah, he so. could have done a whole bunch of cool stuff with his drawings. With like, the art, where is this yeah. coming from? Yeah, like 
all the demons he he ran into more further it would man mm-hmm. insidious the missed opportunity dude honestly yeah and so they, they do this whole scene at the beginning uh, of him trying to get into this class right or he's in the class and trying not to get kicked out of this class and how like important that teacher was to you know the art school and everything and then you never see that thread again it just he draws in his dorm for the rest of the fucking film like there could have been so many scenes of her really like slowly getting him to unlock you know the kind of his mind as opposed to just that one scene and again you know they set up something awesome and then went nowhere so so are we led to believe that it's that easy to break like the quote-unquote spell and bring him back into remembering the shit because the teacher brings it out of him by counting back from 10 I mean, that's how they did it in the original Sidious is like, you know, like that's how they brought him into the further, right? They basically, it was like a hypnotism, even right, though she wasn't actually like, hey, 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 man, I'm gonna count back from, from 10. Close your eyes. Well, he he's used to being hypnotized, right? So okay. like that count back from it. 10 kind of reawokened it, I guess. So I was okay with that. I want to get into the lipstick face demon, though, because he's fucking terrifying in part one. This one, I just felt it was something missing with him. I don't know what it was it just there wasn't the same terror i feel like with him in this one and whether it be maybe they showed a little too much of him um and he wasn't kind of lurking in the shadows like he was sort of in the first one like even like obviously the first one you see him very briefly behind patrick wilson um which todd has as his background right now iconic scene but you just don't see him a lot and he even looks different in this one too and i just feel like it's not as uh effective so i just felt like him as the main villain although great idea to bring him back it just i don't know there was something lacking there i just think the stinks the stakes weren't um communicated effectively for us to to care maybe because he's still like a fucking terrifying thing but yeah i agree in this one he's just like oh we've we've dealt with him before and i just i don't know what what were the stakes in this that dalton was being like what do you guys know, like, what was the end game here for the, for, that, for this? Yeah, that's kind of one of the big problems. And, you know, both the points kind of meld into one is that he gets introduced too late in the game. Like, by the point that by the time he actually comes into play, the movie's almost over. So they don't spend very much time with him. And the little time that we do spend with him, he does the exact same fucking thing that he did in the first one down to the same music. You know, they, they use, so it's funny because he's not only listening to that song, he's actually listening to that album, you know, because we hear Tiny Tim talk at the beginning. So it's weird. He's got like one album. He's still working his little fucking shop. They're still in the same room. So I didn't feel like a growing threat of him kind of coming into play, which would have brought maybe more stakes to it if they were slowly like building him up, building him up until he actually like goes face to face with him. They just kind of throw him in and that's the end of it i have a question about tiny tim um does i obviously died on stage (laughs) did he jeez yeah all right everyone thinks he's creepy obviously did he ever have anything in his life that like like yeah this guy was convicted something or whatever or was he just singing weird stuff very very bizarre guy like he never i don't think he ever like had any sort of jail trouble or criminal trouble he was just known like if you, you can watch some old interviews with him he's just had some really really odd tendencies yeah <laughs> my, my he was point a is heavy this... he was a heavy drinker too was he my, heavy. my point is like his legacy is 
being a creepy motherfucker <laughs> yeah, much. just because solely because of these movies i don't know if it's warranted or not but uh i guess i don't know hopefully his estate's making money off him how did you feel about the defeat of the, the demons so you apparently you can just throw paint on a on yes. a painting and that, and that closes the door and <laughs> super lame i thought it would be a good another missed opportunity to have josh sacrifice himself for his family mm. and I mean, that's where, forever. yeah, that's where it was going. And I thought that was going to happen. And I was like, oh man, that's a bummer, but it's a good ending. But uh, yeah, they, they, they didn't even do that. <laughs> no, I, I thought for sure he would die. And then in the further help Dalton kind of, you know, finish the, the job. And then, then maybe been cool. Could... that would have been a sweet ending, man. Yeah. Instead of just Josh and his dad, you know, team yeah. ghost team up. That's it's yeah. There's so many things that they should have done. And then let, let's just how the way it actually ends. Josh is invited back into the family. You know, he's invited for dinner. And Elise just, hey, how's it going? Remember me? I'm also in this franchise. Where, he's <laughs> like, where were you? <laughs> yeah. I could have used your help. It was so random and pointless. Like, it just, it felt almost like an insult. I'd rather her not be in it than have this stupid cameo that really made no sense well my original note for her was like oh they're bringing her back like they did they brought back tobin bell via tapes but the, in this case youtube but then now she shows up as a ghost at the end of all the action like you could have checked on me two hours ago <laughs> yeah it was it was weak you know i i would have preferred her just have stayed like in that little tape uh you know youtube cameos it was just you know it was it was cheesy but you know it was good to see her back sure all right, you guys want to get to the questions uh, before sure. we rate it? All right, so you can ask us questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast or on our Discord. Great group of people there, always coming through with the questions. So the first one is from Lil Three Chord Me. That's Shaylin. Give me a ranking of all the movies. So from best to worst, I would go one, two, three, five, four. From best to worst, I would go a little different. Three, one, two, four, five. And I'm exactly like Joe. One, two, three, five, four. But the more we talk about five, <laughs> I might switch with four. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to rewatch four. I don't remember four a lot, man, honestly. Because wasn't four the whole thing it that was it a wasn't prequel. a ghost, really? Like it was, or yeah, it I wasn't. Think part of it wasn't a ghost. Well, like, that's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. that key ghost. Um, I don't. Right. Yeah, it was in like that big building in a different By country. Prison, wasn't right? it in a different country? Yeah, it was like in was it in Spain or something? I don't know. It's so long ago since I watched it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I just remember being in that big fucking like castle type thing. Right. And yeah, and like there was some there was some great scares in that one though. Like yeah. better than this. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm remembering it a little bit strongly because I mm-hmm. remember being like, I forgot to mention too, like Insidious and Conjuring, usually there's a moment where like the hair stands up on your arms or something. I never got this in this film. No. No, I think the MRI was probably the closest like big Very scare close, scene. Yeah. And like I said, the, I just got a creepy vibe from the cemetery scene, but that's just me. Her next question, how does this franchise compare to others in your opinion? To The Conjuring, I've probably put this one stronger than the conjuring because i think this has stronger films but yeah it's not like anywhere in my top 10 of uh, franchises of all time i think it's pretty damn solid yeah i think it's yeah i think it's very solid overall i still don't you know we'll get into the ratings but i still don't think there's like an absolute stinker in this franchise you know even the worst one is still watchable yeah i mean i agree with todd it's not like 
top tier for me. Although the first one is fantastic. It's, it, I think it was in all of our top tens of the 2010s, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's tough, you know, when you get into sequels, you know, it's always tough to kind of replicate uh, that first one, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I, there needs to be more conjuring movies, I guess. Cause we only have two. If I'm going the whole conjuring universe, I would probably put the conjuring universe, I guess, over insidious, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good. It might be, it might be top ten, like franchise wise. If I'm thinking like all like franchises. So for me, I would say it's top tier, and I'll tell you why. If I look at it, it depends how you rate them, right? If I look at an aggregate score of all the films in a franchise, and that's how I decide what my favorite franchises are, I would have this franchise over Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Jaws. Because those films, those series, gonna, you just, yeah, I think you just made some people drop to the floor with that take. You know, like, <laughs> and we just lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, like it or not, in my opinion, all those series have absolute fucking shit films. You know, and yeah. so if I look at an aggregate score, you know this this one and you know four are probably going to be among my lowest, but they're not that low. You know, so. That's and that's the reality of it. I mean, if I'm looking at an aggregate score, if I'm looking at math mathematically, this is would be one of the top tier. You know, maybe Evil Dead would be uh, uh, above this. Conjuring might be. A, I don't know. I'd have to rewatch some of the Conjuring films, but yeah, it's. I think it's top tier. All right, next one are from Jackie. How do you feel about the order of the movies? Having a direct sequel to two as part five, do you think it works? Yeah, I mean, you had to bring the. It was good to bring the Lamberts back. You know, they weren't in the last two movies, so yeah, it was. You always, you know, they do this in every franchise, right? Like they always kind of go back to sort of the originals and stuff. Like, you know, they did. They've done it with Halloween and whatnot. So yeah, I, I was good with it. I agree, and I'm really uh, pleased that the actor played Dalton is a good actor. Because sometimes that backfires if when you stay with the the kid actor and he grows up. Yeah, yeah. he was in the whale recently too. Mm-hmm. He was like one of the main characters in that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with it. You know, that's kind of the way horror is now. It's branching timelines, and you just got to get used to it. You know, sequels to past movies that don't include other sequels. Uh, at least this one, it doesn't like say the other ones don't exist. You know, it's not like a brand new timeline. It just it t- picks up where the original storyline takes off. So I was totally fine with it. I think it worked for this particular franchise. I'm reading Tiny Tim trivia. <laughs> between this and not only did he die on stage he had a heart attack while singing that song oh nice. through the window two ups it's like oh my god jeez r.i.p creepy and he got like his wake was with his little like ukulele too <laughs> yeah. oh i remember gosh. seeing that on like rotten.com like way back in the day wow. uh, watch his right. old if, if you're really interested interesting tight tim watch his old howard stern interviews so i think they're on youtube oh, they're sure. super online. interesting yeah cool uh all right jackie's second question insidious and the conjuring are often compared for obvious reasons which franchise do you prefer and why what works better in your opinion uh yeah we i mean we kind of just touched on this i think they both work great like you know they're both good uh, ghost stories i mean i don't think either of them are like super original i mean they're both like you know insidious in a lot of ways is similar to poltergeist and, you know, The Conjuring is like just about every haunted house story. So I don't think there's any sort of originality there. Although The Further, I think, is more original than anything sort of The Conjuring has done. So, yeah, I mean, they both work good in their own ways. 
100% agree. And I like both fran franchises for different reasons. I mean, The Nun is one of the scariest figures of all time from Conjuring 2. And Insidious, you got the lipstick, lipstick demon. That first movie is fucking amazing. So I like them both. Yeah, I love them both as well. You know, the Conjuring series has a lot more films in it. And I don't think they're all great. You know, um, La Llorona is okay. One of the Annabelle films. part of it. Yeah, one of the Annabelle, Annabelle films. I don't think it's, yeah, so it's not like a perfect series. Like Conjuring 3, I thought, wasn't that great either. So, but again, it has way more movies. So it's kind of an unfair comparison in that regard. But I like them both. I think they're both awesome. And I'm super looking forward to The Nun 2. I saw a trailer attached to this and it looks good. I, I asked Sam this question. I want to know you guys' opinion. Um, this or the conjure or the Conjuring Three? Oh, this probably for me. Yeah. I yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, which just even furthers my this is top tier <laughs> franchise. Yeah, looking at scores. Uh, so, next question are from Cody Aljobrits 007. If you guys could go in the further, would you? Who would you seek out? Would you help others that are stuck in there, even knowing the risks? I mean, I think Astro Projection is awesome and is like super interesting. I've attempted it before, but I got too scared and, and didn't because I did start to feel like weird. So would I know? I, I don't think so, knowing the risks. That's funny because I was, I was, were you on the Astral Projection subreddit, Joe? Have you ever been there? I not the subreddit. No, I I googled it, it like when the first Z first came. I will now. Check it out. It's <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Would I do that? Fuck no, I wouldn't do that. That demon put some shit on your ankle and you're trapped. No, keep me out of there. Yeah, I've been to the further and it sucks. So I'll leave it at that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, with uh, your night terrible. It was with sleep paralysis. It's it's basically going into the further, but without really leaving the bed. Right. So it's terrifying. And and I've had a couple of the bouts where I felt I was a foot away from my body. Like I wasn't hovering above my body or in another room. Give yourself I, a handy. I felt like I was just a little bit <laughs> in a different like position. It's weird. <laughs> All right. So next uh, question is from Eric. Who is a legit actor that when you see they're in a movie, it makes you less hype for it? Forrest Whitaker. Will Arnett, Dakota Fanning, and Sarah Paulson are my four. Wow. Hmm. Some animosity from Eric. That's just mean, Eric. Legit actor that question. you're less excited for. You know, I'm not a big Melissa McCarthy fan, so I'll just throw that out there. I think I would watch any movies that she would be in, though. Right. <laughs> but if she was in a horror movie, I'd be like, nah. That's true. Insidious 6. McCarthy. <laughs> Um, do you count like rappers and singers as well, any, anyone, right? <laughs> okay, then anytime like Beyonce is in a movie or something like that, I'm like, Ugh. or Rihanna or any any fucking Fred Dirt, any artist that Fred can't. Hey, has, hey. Can yeah. <laughs> hey, he directed a gem, so yeah, Fred Dirt gets a pass, <laughs> okay, fine. but there's there's like two artists that can act. Common is a really good actor. Mm. Like Ice Ice T in fucking Law and Order sucks. Like, why is he in Law and Order? He's not good. Hey, he's been in it for like twenty I years. Know, but he's not good. I don't get it. So anytime there's like an artist in there, a Lady Gaga is excellent, but there's like exceptions. But yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, you know, there there are actors that definitely I go out of my way to avoid, like uh, Steven Seagal, for example. Like, fuck that dude. I just can't with his wooden ass acting. Come on, Steve. Why you come over, brother? 
Yeah, I had a really good example. I think I talked about in our other podcast. I just don't remember who it was. There's one in particular that and I, maybe I tried to block it out of my mind. Mike Tyson? No, no, it's not Mike Tyson. <laughs> Excellent. And China sells it. Yeah. Anyway, there, there's, there, there are definitely some actors when I see them in a film, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, maybe this won't be as uh, as good. But What about Will Smith now? Has he got the stigma that you're going to be like, eh? Not really. I, I like Will Smith. You know, it's 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 film to film with him. Yeah. Like I wouldn't go see a movie because Will Smith's in it, but I also wouldn't avoid it because Will Smith's in it. You know. Have you ever seen After Earth? Yeah, it was boring. Fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's the one with the sun, right? Yeah. Yeah, with Jaden. Yeah. What did you say, Joe? <laughs> I said, "Welcome to Earth." Welcome to Earth. <laughs> That's a great movie. That's right. what I call a close encounter. And the last question we got, still from Eric here, if given an unlimited budget and no right restrictions, which franchise would you revive and how would you do the franchise justice? Great question. question. Excellent. I mean, I'd love to see Nightmare on Elm Street back, obviously. Yeah, and I would just go back to the original, just make it scary, make it dark, and... uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not bringing Robert England back because he's retired. So automatically the fans will hate it, but, you know, I'll try my best. Not do shitty CGI makeup stuff like they did with the the remake. Uh, just make him look how he did, you know, and try to get someone who sort of resembles England maybe, you know, just make it look same exact sort of makeup and hope that it, it relays good. And, yeah, just go scary, gory. And it doesn't have to be gory, actually. Just just make it scary, and uh, I'd be down. I'd also like to re- uh, revive Leprechaun because I I think there's, I think there you could do some great stuff with them still. With your Freddy movie, would you make him more comedic one-liner? Or no, no, scary no. Part one. Straight, straight dark. Yeah, dark, scary part nice. one. No, no comedy at all. I like it. Well, you know, I'll go the same route, and let's get Friday Thirteenth out of retirement. Let's pay off the lawyers because I with this I'm coming. budget I get to pay off the lawyer. I'm you know, yeah, but I'm taking the reins. All right. And uh, yeah, you know we're gonna stick Jason in a camp and just let him do his thing. We don't need anything different. We don't need anything kooky. Let's have some snow in there, which all the fans ask for. I mean, I love the fan films that um, what's his name Vicente something they create. Those are really cool, but they're fan films. You know what I mean? They're limited to the budget. I think the budget's like. 300,000 or something like that. So let's throw some money at it, make Jason big and mean and fucking just like falling apart and decrepit and just let's have some boobs, boobs, let's have some gore and let's just have fun. I still love that idea they had with the, the script that's you can find online where they were going to do a found footage. Oh, I know. Right. So cool. That would have been awesome. Yeah. It's a really cool script. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street is probably my first choice, but if, uh, since you already said it, I'd go trick or treat. I just think there's really so many cool things they can do with Sam. The rules of Halloween, just have a cool anthology film come out every few years that explain the rules of Halloween to people, you know, and have some cool kills and stuff like that. He's such an iconic character and he's only in one movie and he's not even in that movie all that much. So I think there's so much opportunity to do stuff with him and they're not. And at Killer Clowns, I wouldn't mind seeing another Killer Clowns movie. If I could get the rights back, I would probably bring that back as well. I think it'd be a fun, you could really like build that world and make it super fun and quirky and cool. All right. So the final question is from Josh. 
Do you guys think they should have spent more time in the further? I found it lacking and a little bit boring. Thanks for the great podcast. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. They should have spent this. <laughs> like, that's the, the whole, that's the unique thing about this franchise is the further. So to not have the further much in it is like, what the fuck are we doing? You're just, you know, he's just projecting out of his, in his dorm. It was, it was such a weird decision not to have the further as much as they did. I, I yeah. agree. And, and here I'm looking at IMDb right now, and I, I said it earlier, but the, the Lamberts must go deeper into the further than ever before to put their demons to They didn't do that. It wasn't there. They're, they spent way more time in the other ones. And I felt the tension in, in those other ones. And this one, I was just like, they're in and out. And you know what? The final showdown, didn't, it was like five minutes, 10 minutes towards the very last part of the film. It's like, man, sucks. Yeah, 100% agree with both of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rate it. Let's rate it. Steve, you take it. Let's rate it. All right. So I'm actually lowering my score uh, based <laughs> off our discussion. Uh, I still liked it. I thought it was a fun film. There was a lot of good stuff about it, but it just, there's too many missed opportunities to overlook in this one. And it could have easily had an extra star or two, but it didn't. So I give it a three out of five on Letterboxd. It's it's still, so like, I still enjoyed watching it. It just... Man, it's just blue balls, you know, blue balls. Were you at three and a half before you lowered it? Yeah, I was at three and a half. Yeah, I mean, we we beat the movie up quite a bit, but, you know, it's still a, a, a decent movie. I think the frustration, obviously, is that there was just so many missed opportunities, you know, with everything, you know, and that leaves you ultimately disappointed. I The potential was there for this to be one of the best in the franchise, and unfortunately, it, ju- it just falls flat. You know, overall, though, I wasn't bored. You know, I was always interested. I liked the family dynamic. There just wasn't enough horror in it. And when you're reviewing a horror movie, <laughs> that's kind of important. So, yeah, I'm I'm also at a three and three out of five on this one. Yeah, and for everything we previously discussed, I did shit on it quite a bit, but I don't think it's a bad film. Just a lot of missed opportunities, like you guys mentioned. So I'm a three out of five as well. I, this is probably going to be like the last key where I don't watch it for a long time, if ever again, because it just... There's no, re- there's no reason to. No, yeah, of, of course. I mean, watch one and two uh, and even three. You know? Yeah, I love I mean, three. I think so. it's underrated. But yeah, the four yeah. and five are just like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, but because you know, the thing with these franchises is like, so I only watch one and two again because it was important to kind of the story and I didn't have time to watch the others. But I'm going to finish them and I'm not going to just do one, two, three, and then five. You know, I, I got to do four. So I think this might kind of be the same thing whenever six comes out. You know, I, I can't just skip over four and five. I'm going to have to do a full series watch. So I'm sure I'll watch it again at some point. And I, I am curious. Sometimes time just changes your opinion on stuff and you'll appreciate it for different reasons. But yeah, right now. Very, very quickly, how was your guys' theater experience with this? PG-13, very, summer? Very good. Well, I went on Thursday, which was like the preview screening. Got free poster, which that nice. was a bonus which I wasn't expecting. So that was cool. Yeah. I mean, it was quiet. There wasn't like a ton of people. Cause we went on a Thursday at like four in the afternoon. So uh, not a ton of people, a lot of kids though, for sure, but they were quiet. So I was very, ha- I was a little concerned when I first got in there. Cause it was definitely a, more of a teenage crowd, but they were quiet and not many screams. Cause yeah, the movie bad. wasn't that scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me. I, so this is the second film I believe I've seen in what my, my theater now has something called premiere seating which is uh, you have two leather like couches and you can choose the temperature of your couch. You can, you know, recline it. 
it, you have a table next to you, like each side has a table and you're in like a pod. So there are walls on the side of you. There's a coat hook. So you don't see who you're next to. You know, it's like you're in your own little cubicle. And I fucking love that because even though it doesn't drown out the theater, like I, if someone wants to be an asshole, it would still be annoying. At least I'm, I have like two table lengths and two walls between me and the guy next to me, you know, so way better experience for theater for me. And uh, it was like half full, I'd say. But I also went at like noon you know, or whatever. It's I went early on Saturday, I think. So yeah, it was a good, good experience. Cool. Did you guys have any good previews, by the way? Had none too. One? And like no, none. What do you feel about that? I was not thrilled I, with the I, I, I liked I liked that trailer. That the second yeah. trailer I thought was is it was set? Good. Is it a period piece again? I didn't see the it trailer. Is. Oh, mm-hmm. right. okay well it is this one Canadian back for you it looks more like annabelle too where like it deals with like younger girls sort of like in is it like an orphanage type yeah it's, thing it's like something? an orphanage or a yeah. school or something yeah yeah uh i got one for a movie called it lives inside and it looks pretty darn good it's um uh, so it's uh, an Indian American teenager struggling with her cultural identity has a falling out with her former best friend and in the process unwittingly unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness so it's kind of like a demon type movie and it looks really cool yeah I think I got talk to me was another one yeah I got talk to me as well uh, they show something called Haunting in Venice or something. Oh like that. yeah, we got we we got that too. Which it looks, wasn't. Eh, it looks yeah. generic, you know. Nothing yeah. Too, and the rest were non horror for some reason. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Mission Impossible looks pretty fucking cool mm-hmm. to me. Dead reckoning. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I got the Equalizer three, which I had yeah, no idea so was coming I, out. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was one of them that I got as yeah. well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing like that was super like oh my god i didn't know this was coming out but having a podcast you always kind of know what's going on the the it lives inside was the big one i got that i had no idea was coming out and it looks like potential to be really good so that's one to keep an eye out for it's coming out i think uh oh september 22nd so there you go i mean the trailers must be coming because saw 10 is coming out soon ish exorcist Uh, Exorcist coming out soon ish so Mm -hmm. i mean i can't imagine that it's going to be much longer before we see those trailers you know Mm -hmm. so yeah all right awesome all right guys well i think that is going to wrap it up for this episode we hope you enjoyed our review of insidious the red door next week shark week we are doing a double feature our annual shark week episode very excited thank you to everyone that voted we are going to be doing deep blue sea and for our bad shark movie justice for joe we are doing oh. Jersey. <laughs> we are doing Jersey Shore Shark Attack. So that is going to be a very fun double feature. When are we recording uh, it, this episode? Monday? Next Monday? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> like last year Hot. when we were sick gonna do this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, fun double feature. Make sure you watch both those movies. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now threads we are on all of those social medias just find us on the uh, just search the horror squad podcast you can email us anytime the horror squad podcast at gmail.com and of course the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our discord all you gotta do send us an email or a dm on any of our socials and we will get you a link to that very special discord amazing community over there a lot of behind the scenes stuff and whatnot so come and join us on our discord completely free 
merch, the horror squad pod, uh, sorry, tpublic.com backslash the horror squad podcast. If you would like to support us by buying, you know, t-shirts, hats, sweaters, whatever, uh, we would appreciate that. And lastly, leave us a five-star review if you have not yet. And, um, it helps the podcast. And don't forget guys, right after my spiel here, stick around for our interview dead stream with the writer and director, Joseph Winters. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the interview. Bye. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where tonight we have a very special guest. He's the writer, director, and star of the hit film, Deadstream, Joseph Winter. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Joseph. Thanks for having me, Steve. And I also just want to point out that Vanessa, my wife, was supposed to be here. She just tested positive for strep and started losing her voice. Uh, she was the co-writer, co-director, co-producer on Deadstream. Absolutely. And I hope she feels better soon. Uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't talk to her, but I'm glad to have you on. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the movie? Yeah, um, the movie was uh, just for some backstory on it quickly as Vanessa and I, uh, we'd been married a long time making movies together, but we were doing shorts and running a short horror film festival in Utah and we always wanted to do a feature that's really like what it was all leading toward in our mind but the biggest barrier was the money thing I think that's what everybody faces when they're trying to break into feature films so we started trying to hack our way around it and figure out is there a way that just the two of us theoretically could make a movie I have some acting experience so what could we do could we strap a camera to my head and just go out in the woods and we started brainstorming in that way and that led us to, um, I mean, when you think about no budget or low, low, low budget, you think about found footage, which we had genuinely loved already. So we just said, just as an exercise, what would we do if we were going to do that? And we came up with um, having one guy in one haunted house live streaming by himself. And we were playing around with if that could work as a movie. And we came up with Deadstream. And so the premise of Deadstream is a a recently reinstated YouTuber that was canceled. He spends a night alone in a haunted house as a big comeback event. And then things go terribly, terribly wrong for him. And it's uh, what we were trying to do was start Blair Witch Project-ish and end up Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness-ish by the end. Awesome. So... You know, you mentioned some of those films. Uh, were there other influences, not just horror films, but also maybe social media that you took when writing this film? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we started, the influences were just movies and just things that inspired us creatively. But then we started deep diving into influencer culture and um, started paying attention to who was out there. And um, we ended up latching onto I say latching onto like as reference points we ended up um liking PewDiePie we were watching a lot of PewDiePie's stuff and following like the controversies around him how he responded to them how he's been self-referential about the controversies themselves that inspired us to make that part of Sean's comeback that he makes fun of the fact that he was in this bind and PewDiePie makes fun of his own apology video. And so we're like, that that would be great as Sean. So we took that. There's also this other YouTuber called iDubs that we mm -hmm. got a lot of inspo from. And um, lastly is a guy named Houston Jones, 
who has a series of videos called Bodybuilder Versus, where he um, intentionally hurts himself in really creative ways. And uh, we took, he has like a really larger than life um, delivery, high energy. He's boasts about how strong he is and invincible. So we took some of that for Sean. Awesome. Uh, because you're also starring in this film, uh, it was probably difficult to kind of juggle all of the different roles. Did you split it with your wife? Kind of, she did a little bit more of the directing since you were starring, or was it really collaborative in that way? Yeah, leading up to the actual production, it felt like Vanessa and I were doing all of the same things, um, including like on the producer side with our producing partners, Melanie Stone, who plays Chrissy and Mildred, and Jared Cook. And uh, when it actually, the production itself started, uh, we had a really disastrous first day. And after the first day, Vanessa and I were trying to figure out how do we get the movie back on the rails? And we decided to delineate the job more. So I was focusing more on the actor role and trying not to let the stress of the disasters that were happening affect me so I could still be in tune with Sean and she was going to protect me from that and take on the like the onset director role where people would come to her for questions and she'd be telling people. And then I would just collaborate directly with her, but from my costume with the cameras and stuff. So that's how it was. And as the production went along, it started going more smoothly. And then um, the roles started to sort of blend. It was just became more seamless as it went on. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, on the set, she was doing what normally the director, you'd be looking to them to do. Okay, cool. You mentioned your co-star, Melanie Stone, who was absolutely excellent, uh, opposite you in this film. Was the role written for her, in, with her in mind, or was she cast later on? Yeah, um, we've been friends with Melanie, I think, for 10 years now, and very, very close friends, and we've made lots of small things with her in it. And uh, when we first, <clears throat> when we thought we would introduce another character into the film, we knew it was going to be her. Um, and we talked to her about it. We didn't know the significance of the role, but we talked to her about it. She was so excited about it that it actually, I credit her enthusiasm with getting us a draft of the screenplay because we just told her the concept. She was like, oh my gosh, I could see that being a thing. And so Vanessa and I were like, really? <laughs> so we took that energy and we actually started cranking out some pages and we got to the midpoint, I think. And she, she acted like it was really good looking back. Like I'm not proud of what we sent her, but it was enough that we, is that Slimer? Hanging on your wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, my that's whole amazing. this is all horror from this side. Uh, on that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I okay. I sorry to just it's abruptly change the subject, but I I love the room that you're in right now. Mm, anyway, so back to Melanie. So she um she informed the character a lot based on what we knew she could do, how we knew she was really funny, and what she was capable of doing. Awesome. Another big part of the story is this location, which is absolutely awesome. Can you tell stories about how you found that location and what it was like filming on set at that location? Yeah. Uh, firstly, we wrote an impossible location into the script, and we knew the whole time as we would have the premise here is we we're paying for it ourselves or close to ourselves. Like that's what we were going for. And we knew that we'd have to film it here in Utah. There was no such house that was in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, that had an upper floor that was set out with the geography that we had. 
And um, we knew that, and it was ready. We we're ready to start moving toward production. So I put out a call on Facebook that we're looking for this kind of house. And a whole bunch of people were saying, there's this house in Benjamin, Utah, which is only 30 minutes from where Vanessa and I live. And um, it's really big, but it's out in a field. So it's not in a forest, but for, and everybody said they won't let you film there. So don't bother. But we did bother. We found out who like the family that owned it and like paid for some services to like track down people. And we finally got in touch with them and they were super cool about it. But the house was unfortunately falling down. Like it was, you, mm. it was not super safe to be in. In fact, it wasn't safe at all to be in. So we had to um, put a little bit more significant more money than we thought into the movie in order to basically structurally um, enhance it before we could come in and film there. And uh, and you can't tell in the film, but all the walls have been resupported and um, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to film there. But the thing about it being in a field that's not in the forest at all is it just so happens to have a cluster of really old, really big trees on one part of the yard. And it's a very small cluster of trees, but we shot through it at night so that it looked like it was a forest. And then all the reverses of that were in uh, an actual forest a few miles away. So it ended up working perfectly for what we needed. And we actually, um, the secret room in the movie where they, Sean and um, Chrissy find that cellar, it had that as oh, an wow. actual secret room as kind of hidden. And when we discovered that, we wrote that into the script as well as um, we made some other geographical changes that ended up helping the movie a lot, I think. Oh, that, that's awesome. Another thing that I thought was incredible in this movie was the makeup work. Uh, can you tell us what was working with the makeup effects on this film? Yeah, um, we are very, very fortunate to have had Troy Larson and Michaela Kester. So Troy was the creature guy and Michaela was the makeup effects person. And um, and they worked together quite a bit to get the different looks down. Um, with Troy, our backstory with him, he's a guy in Utah that uh, we were making a short film for Crypt TV a long time ago. And we we're looking for someone that could build a creature, a little like rat creature with a human head. And we found this guy that was making Star Wars replicas out of his garage, but he had experience making special effects. That's what he wanted to do, but there wasn't a big market for that here. Um, but we had him do one for that Crypt TV thing, and he did amazing work just by himself in his garage. So when Deadstream came along, we asked him, like, would you, is there some way you could do on a low budget like a lot of ambitious creatures we knew when we wrote it like there's no way we can actually do this for the the budget that we had in mind and he found a way and he was really determined to do what it took to get there and we had to break up the production to let him catch up with certain creature things and then we'd come back and shoot other things but um it's incredible work that he did and he he got some people at some times to help him with certain aspects but um, in large part, that was just him. And then uh, Michaela, um, she got her buddy Britlin in to do makeup with her. And they all just did an incredible job. I was really happy. I mean, with our budget, we had no business having creatures and makeup that looked that good, honestly. <laughs> they looked absolutely incredible. If a studio came to you with money 
and said, we'd like you involved, but you can only play one role, either the writer, the director, or the star. Is there one out of the three that you prefer? Oh, man. Um, uh, director. director. I, it would have to be director because, to be honest, I really do not enjoy the process of acting. Although when I've had distance from it, I start to feel like, man, I could, I could, we should make something that I'm in. You know, I start to entertain that, but the actual work of an actor is very, very difficult. And I respect that a lot. And I don't feel like that's the thing that would bring me the most joy. Writing, I really love writing, but then turning that over to somebody else, which I know is just part of the job too. I think I would ultimately enjoy being the person that brings it all together with a vision. So I mm. choose director. Awesome. Um, you were also involved in our personal favorite segment of VHS 99. How was that experience compared to Deadstream? It was um, very, very similar in that uh, we got the call to do it. They, there was a, I think what had happened is somebody had dropped out and we were kind of sliding in to replace them at the mm. last minute. And uh, the only way we could pull it off, they said, is uh, if they sent us money and we could take our Utah crew and just do something here, even though they were filming together in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, so we took the same crew, basically. It was Troy and Michaela and Melanie, obviously, right. plays Mabel in it. And I'm in it, the camera guy again. And um, Jared Cook did all the same camera gear. We literally were using the same cameras from Deadstream, all the same head stuff. And um, so it was like a lot of the same people, some new faces, because it was a shorter window of time that we filmed it in. But the thing that was interesting was answering to somebody else, because when we made Deadstream, it was just us. Right. And uh, everything was a guess as far as like what the market was looking for, what distributors would be looking for. Uh, but there was no pressure on us, just self-pressure. And um, with VHS 99, it was a very tight turnaround. Um, there was already, we were past deadline with getting um, TIFF, the TIFF programmer, Peter Kaplowski, to, uh, to look at it. So everyone's like, you got to send it to them. So we had to send a cut literally two days after we wrapped production, wow. <laughs> which is crazy. And yeah. it was not, it was barely coherent. I mean, it was, it was so embarrassing to send it, but it was like this kind of pressure that we weren't used to outside of just our own, you know, wanting it to be good and not being able to go over a certain amount of money. Um, so I think that was different, but it was uh, very familiar at the same time. So the film's, at least that I've seen that you've made has been kind of the found footage style. Uh, are you looking to do something more traditional or are you like kind of the found footage we, subgenre? We've had, we've had a lot of fun in the found footage. I mean, both of those things are um, uh, continuous takes the illusion of like not cutting and stuff. Yeah. And we've had a lot of fun doing that, but the next project that we're doing, we deliberately wanted to not do a found footage thing as the next thing so uh, we can't announce what it is yet but it is a more traditionally shot film and i think tonally people will appreciate if they liked the other two is horror kind of the genre you'd like to stay in going forward or would you like to dip your toe into maybe another genre of films um nothing would make me happier than making horror movies for the rest of my life that's what i that's the first kind of movie i ever loved and i i'm would love to stay in it yeah, awesome. We, we we love to hear that uh, for sure. 
Thank you very much, Joseph. Deadstream comes out on Blu-ray and DVD on July 18th. We cannot recommend it enough. Uh, of course, it was, as people listen on the show, it was in our top 10 last year. I think it was even in my top five. Absolutely excellent movie. And we can't wait to see what you do next, Joseph. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Two cars come two different ways. Bag up, bag up, bag up, Terry. Put it reverse, Terry. Put it reverse. Oh, Lord.